When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh House. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of another Dolphins Podcast. We can't say enough about your willingness to come and join us because the Detroit Lions won on Sunday Night Football, meaning that Miami's 26-7 to loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. The Miami Dolphins have now gone 23 years without a playoff win, the longest streak in the NFL. Gentlemen, I can't come in here and shoot flowers and then be all happy. It sucks to be a Dolphins fan, but we're going to get through it. We always do. You're right, Jake. It does suck to be a Dolphins fan, but what else is new? <laughs> We're used to this feeling at this point, and, and it's awful. You mentioned that Detroit Lions win. Um, I have people close to me who are big Lions fans, so for the first five to seven seconds, I felt really happy for Lions fans, and then immediately, immediately, it turned into just depression and sadness consuming my entire essence and uh yeah i still feel that way today we're 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 12 hours removed from that lions victory and and uh you know a a day and a half removed from the dolphins loss and it's groundhog's day it's the same as it ever was all over again yeah I, i don't i don't know this this is going to be depressing as hell i mean i'm already feeling it i mean yes now we have the longest what drought without a playoff win oh man I just uh can't believe we got here right I guess we do feel that way we went through the entire season talking about how it didn't matter what they were doing now all that mattered at the end of the year you know let's just not fall apart and well the Dolphins fell apart and here we are it's just uh a dagger to the heart but I'm glad I'm able to come on here and vent with you guys because I would not want to talk about this with anyone else hey bright side guys the Dolphins are the best at something and that thing is losing playoff games so yeehaw is there a trophy for that any meaningful game. They just take whatever hope you had and just completely just rip it into shreds. And I think that is too what just makes everything so frustrating is because this was a team like you see the potential, you see the stars, you see what what they're capable of. You see, Merrick, we were just talking about it before the show, other offenses taking what the Miami Dolphins were doing earlier in the year. And don't get me wrong, they weren't lining in the end zone after scoring 70 points either. Uh, but just to kind of see everything just evaporate when this car was driving so fast, the Miami Dolphins were the, the fastest offense in the league. It wasn't even close. And that's not only a metaphor, but it works for just the talent on the field. Just, just to see how, like, it's just inexcusable for them to kind of whittle away over this last month of the season where they're averaging 15 points a game, where things shouldn't look this complicated for a team where it was so easy just months ago. And I think that's where a lot of the pain, the frustration comes in because while it's not, you know, Oh, we, we suck again. We lost the jets and, and the bills and you know, the Patriots and everyone's better than us. 
No, that's not the case. But instead, we have a question on our hands that's a lot more complicated, a lot more frustrating, because there is no right answer for why this Miami Dolphins team crapped the bed so well and fell apart so perfectly. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's kind of uh, – you make a good point there, Jake, with the idea that the expectations had risen, and they absolutely did. You know, there were times this season where it felt – realistic that the Dolphins could make a Super Bowl for the first time in our lifetimes. And it wasn't us just being hopeful Dolphins fans or delusional Dolphins fans. There were actual realistic expectations, um, not just within the Dolphins fan base, but with the national media and, and everything like that. And it's, it's kind of a, I believe it's a, a Buddhist philosophy that if you want nothing, then you can never be disappointed, right? You can never be sad. We didn't follow that this year. Instead, we let our expectations get sky high, and the Dolphins did what the Dolphins always do, and and they disappointed us. You know, you you mentioned that this, this Dolphins offense was essentially a Lamborghini at one point in the season. Well, on Saturday night in Kansas City, the Lamborghini ran out of gas, and as as somebody who is living in the frigid Arctic known as the Midwest right now, you don't want your car to run out of gas when it's negative 27 degrees with wind chill. Uh, by the way, it was negative 40 degrees with wind chill the following day. So it, it, it got worse. Um, and yeah, and that's exactly what happened to the Dolphins Lamborghini. It ran out of gas and, and uh, sputtered to its final end. Sad, disappointing, demoralizing, and we're left to pick up the pieces here on this podcast, another Dolphins podcast. Yeah, Super Bowl may be a bit of delusion. I mean, I think a lot of us still remember, you know, we still have not won a playoff game, and here we sit again, no matter how good this team looked on paper, no matter how promising it was at one point. I mean, we're sitting here, and I'm hyped. You know, Tutomalo led the league in passing yards. Tyree Kill led the league in receiving. But I would give all that up. It, for as sad as it might sound, for even a playoff win, to not have this feeling now of doubt and you know, just of everything that we thought we felt at one point has just kind of whittled away. I mean, you guys mentioned the Lamborghini. I'm a girl dad. I'm sitting here and I say they turn into a pumpkin all the time, but you picture Cinderella, right? She had that beautiful carriage. She had that beautiful dress and right at midnight, boom, she turned to a pumpkin and um, well, I guess then eventually you saw that she was deep down inside, you know, a wonderful person. But right now we're not seeing that wonderful person because we have yet to see the Miami Dolphins do what we've yet to see in 20 plus years. And um you know, it just it sucks that we're here just feeling this way. And I'm I'm sorry, but I'm I'm definitely turning a little bit of heel this offseason because we know yeah. they went through a ton of injuries. We know it was cold as AF, but they still gave us hope. And, uh, you know, like against our better judgment, um, we fell for it. And I don't think I have any issues with fans moving forward saying I don't believe in this team until I see them win a meaningful game, a playoff game with my eyes, because that's how we all felt. But they still hoodwinked us at the end. Can we blame Hard Knocks at all? Can we blame them so, for this curse? So, Josh, what I'm hearing is that while the Miami Dolphins may not be the prettiest girl at the dance, at least they have a great personality. Is that what I'm hearing? I mean, Cinderella was a babe, right? But she was a more of a babe when she had that beautiful carriage. That offense was running wild. You know, people couldn't stop Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. And at the end, we just turned into a pumpkin, you know, who uh, once they took Tyree Kill away, once it got sub-zero temperature. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit down, guys. <laughs> Dude, I, I don't blame you. And I think part of the big issue, and I think like everybody wants to not let anybody else have fun. There's there's a whole thing, there's a whole dynamic on X about how we can have fun, but other people can't. And I think early in the year, I mean, you can go back to last year. I think when you hear criticism about the Miami Dolphins, you understand it. I think we can all agree that, hey, this team has some crucial flaws, but beating the Denver Broncos 70 to 20 doesn't mean nothing like winning these massive beating the chargers week one. Are you telling me that the chargers, if they didn't win week one to have that confidence and set the tone of the season, things wouldn't maybe be different. I think there's just an issue with there's so many people who want to say you're not allowed to have fun. And when you only have a 17 game season, there's a bunch of us, a bunch of us that do podcasts every week, they create content timeless times throughout the week. They want to say, Hey, Maybe we should have a little fun, and it's, I think there are some people, and I think we all do it at times, get caught up in listening to the people who are saying we shouldn't have fun, and then as a result, we kind of come back and say, hey, X, Y, and Z is happening, but it goes back to that sustainability, that continuity, and while we 
should be allowed to have fun with the Dolphins September, October, because that's not something we've had forever, too, right? This hasn't always been the case where it's this team is just, we'll wait till December, we'll see them collapse. It's not the Red Sox who would just blow it every year. This team was flat out awful, right? It was a garbage franchise for years. They haven't won a franchise or a playoff game in 23 years. So I think that's where some frustration starts. But as I've kind of sat here throughout this week, I've gotten better at like looking at the Washington game, how much fun that was, looking at the Denver game, how much fun that was, and then kind of seeing like, all right, Philadelphia, like Tua, it would have been great to put on a superhero cape. There was injuries, great. But the farther you do that throughout the season, more of those scenarios are going to pop up. Yeah, and I'll I'll pose this question to you guys. Was scoring 70 points against the Denver Broncos the worst thing to happen to the Dolphins this season? No. No, I kind of look at it like the people who um, – I get where you're going, and I kind of look at it like people thought, oh, why would we root for the Chiefs to beat the Bills so that we'd uh, have a shot for the one seed instead of trying to get the, the number one uh, – or instead of just clinching the AFC East title, where maybe you'd fall to the three seed and look a little more ugly, but you still accomplish it. I think you can't really, you got to take every game for what it is and how it goes. I think that was such a confidence boost for this team. I think it was such a wonderful game. What a blast to cover. What a blast to talk about where yes, it, it grew the expectations, but it also should have grown the confidence. Like it should have shown Tua Tungvaloa what he can do in an NFL style offense. Instead of looking at it like, oh, you know, this was a fluke, it should show what you're capable of. Instead of at the same time, though, always having to go tap on the whiteboard, say, remember when we did this, it would have been nice, I agree, to kind of be that offense throughout the entire year, not score 19 points against Philadelphia, seven points against the Kansas City Chiefs. But I think it just kind of goes to show that the highs can be reached with this offense. But I mean, the lows are staring you right in the face, too. I guess my whole point with that is that maybe you're right, Jake, it did give the team a lot of confidence, but at what point does confidence turn into cockiness? Did the team start believing their own hype a little too much after that one? Did they put a target on their own backs by scoring 70 points against the Broncos? Did other opposing defenses, you know, subconsciously or even consciously uh, find themselves game planning harder and studying more tape when going against the Dolphins offense? Cause they didn't want to be the next defense to get embarrassed by the Miami Dolphins. And they didn't want to allow 70 points to this team. I don't know. It's just, it's food for thought. Um, regardless, it doesn't matter. It was a fun game to watch, but you know, the the end of the season is what it is. It was what it was. And we can't go back from there. We can only move forward. Um, unfortunately, we don't get to move forward for another seven or eight months. And we're stuck dwelling on this and all of the difficult, awful, awful questions we have to ask ourselves about this. Yeah, I mean, we got to generate the content now. We got to do it um, every week. I'm going to go and do the tinfoil hat thing. I think um, what really sabotaged was not breaking that record. Maybe they just didn't have enough content. You know, they should have broken the record and taken it a step further. But like um, <laughs> yeah, but I, you got to go back to what Jake said. And um, well, for one, you know, we were always cutting up the uh, Ravens game to show off to it. Talking about lows, you know, special traits and stuff. At least the Broncos game now give us something there, right? A different thing <laughs> to um, show about. But what really sucks is, like Jake said, now the expectation is only to win a playoff game. So we almost have to sim the season. I mean, they have to live up to insane expectations early on just to prove to all of us that they can do it late in the season. So um, it's – uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Mike McDaniel and Tua Tungvalu. I think it's crazy that people are sitting there saying that um, they should get rid of some of these guys, but I think we can all agree, you know, you're heading in here, your seat's getting a little warmer, and if you go out again in December and January and shit the bed ultimately, I mean, then these podcasts are going to be unbearable, but we don't even want to think about that. That's a year from now. We try to be one of the more positive podcasts here. And Josh, you are one of the more positive people. You've run a Twitter account called at the left arm of God. One of your favorite posts I've ever seen you make is you going on Twitter the night of the uh, 2020 NFL draft and just screaming when the Dolphins signed to a tongue by Loa. I'm, I'm not trying to do this to put you in a bad mental state, but here we go. The one thing everybody's ranting about on X is, you know, you're very emotional at this time. Not you specifically, just Dolphin fans. Like, this is this is as low as it's going to get for the next seven months. What do you do? I mean, everybody wants to come out and say their get-right scheme for the Miami Dolphins. And whether it begins with Tua Tungvaloa or not, this is someone who just completed 20 of 39 passes for 199 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He hasn't really been able to do anything for the last month. You have his fifth-year option. He's looking for that long-term deal. 
Joshua Houts, what on earth do you do with Tua Tungavaloa? Damn, you put me on my on the spot for my boy, and I'm sitting here running through the thoughts in my head. I don't even know that I still have uh, you know, decisive answer. I think on the previous pod I did with Merrick, we were sitting here hyping it up, pay him, you pay him whatever he wants, and then he comes back and does this. And I mean, even saying that out loud, I mean, I still guess maybe I had a little bit of doubt. Maybe I was just still hoping that he went out there and proved that, you know, you have no you don't need to have that doubt. I mean, I can go out there and win a big game. We didn't see it happen. So, um, Jake, I'm going to let you give your um, opinion on what you should do because I think I might start leaning towards that because they do have the fifth-year option locked up. But um, we talked about maybe bringing in a mobile quarterback, you know, throwing a dart in the draft, second, third round, you know, maybe even later in the draft. I mean, so I guess that's where I would go. Tua Tungvalu is definitely a quarterback next year. Um, I don't like baseball very much, but I feel like they're stepping up to the plate now with a full count, right? And you got to hit that ball into play to, to bring the runner home, right, at this point because, again – all anybody's going to care about, all the expectations now are, is you got to win a division, and then you even got to go a step further and win a playoff game, right? I mean, it would have been nice to win the division this year, but ultimately I want to see them win a playoff game. I want to see them take that step, and um, we're sitting here now worse than the freaking Lions. So I don't know what you're going to do with Tua Tagovailoa if you can get him locked up for the right price now compared to some of the other guys on the market. But if you're telling me he's going to get the bag and, you know, He's not going to reset the market, right? But top five money for Tua Tagovailoa, um, you know, after he just led the league in yards. I mean, I guess you could understand that. But the biggest home rim, he just wants to see him take it to another level. And I feel like um, maybe I'm a little bit of a hater because it seems like the goalposts always do move for him. But since day one, you want to see him come in and take this team to the playoffs, win a playoff game, and um, the all the accolades in the world rush uh, passing yards don't mean anything right now. It's really difficult. It's such a difficult question. Um, and you're right, Josh. Just last week we were talking about, oh, two was going to get re-signed. You're going to give him 45 to $50 million a year and everything's going to be all right. And then one game. One game changes everything. And it, and I think that's a problem with, with sports nowadays and fan bases nowadays and people like us doing podcasts about these type of, of topics. Is it such a reactionary thing to base – all of this on one week, sometimes two weeks, three weeks, whatever it may be. But a month ago, if we would have posed this exact same question, all of us would have been like, give two of the bag, give it to him, give him anything he wants. You know, MVP conversation, leading the league in, in multiple passing metrics, you know, helping Tyreek Hill reach his 2000 yard receiving goal, which he did fall short of, you know, possible first place in the AFC, at least an AFC East division crown. And then none of that stuff happened. You know, Tua led the league in passing yards. That's great. Um, but but other than that, it this offense fell off a cliff. And you're asking yourself why? And you're asking yourself, is this Tua's fault? Was 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 it Tua? Was it Mike McDaniel? You know what I mean? Was was his scheme and his play calling putting Tua in the right positions to succeed when the stakes got higher and when you were facing tougher opponents, tougher defenses, when you were in inclement weather on the road in frigid Kansas City, did Mike McDaniel put his quarterback in the best position to succeed? And the problem with all of these questions is there's no clear-cut, concrete answer that you can turn to and go, okay, here's the problem, here's how you fix it, and here's how the Dolphins will be a better team move, moving forward, a team that doesn't fall short of expectations. It's difficult. It's very, very difficult. And to compound that, the Dolphins are projected to be $40 million over the cap next year. So it's not like you can bring in you know, a high-priced uh, veteran free agent quarterback to push Tua, possibly unseat Tua. You just don't really have those options. And with Tua being on the, the, the fifth-year option for a quarterback, I believe that's $23 million, you can actually lower that cap hit by extending Tua to a long-term uh, deal. You can lower his cap hit for next year, which would allow you to potentially pay a Christian Wilkins, potentially re-sign somebody like Andrew Van Ginkle, potentially re-sign somebody like Connor Williams as long as the ACL you know, holds up and heals properly. But now you're sitting here with questions about Tua Tungabailoa and extending him doesn't even feel like it's a no-brainer anymore. You know, to Jake's point, you talked about letting him ride that that fifth-year option out and then maybe franchise tagging him after that. Although if you look at the numbers for the franchise tag, I believe starting next year and then moving forward, it jumps from what it is now 
to over $50 million a season for a quarterback. So that still feels very unrealistic if you're going to have other high-priced guys like Tyreek Hill and Bradley Chubb still on this team. So there's 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 no easy answer. There's no direct pathway. This is going to be Chris Greer's job to figure out as the offseason continues to unfold. And uh, I guess we can sit here and offer our two cents, but we're not in the building and we're not there to – to, to see all the all the fine, minute details that go into these decisions that the team has to make. And and that makes it tough to to, to give any definitive answer as to what to do with Tua Tungvaloa or, or anyone else on this team for that matter. Have we seen enough that they should even worry about giving a definitive answer? Like, after the game, Ty- or Tua came out and said how confident he was and what he can do for this team and what he can be for this organization, yada, yada. I try not to get too caught up in like post game interviews. I, I kind of was really let down by Tua following the game. He kind of cited like communication errors and like everybody needs to be better. And I get after years of like being the guy, the scapegoat. I mean, he he's taking the PR route, but I mean, if you want to be the guy, you want to be the leader on this team. I, I kind of need a little bit more. I need a little bit more if you're gonna like be held scoreless against the Buffalo Bills while Josh Allen's treating your entire uh, field like it's just a, a playground, just running freely. Um, I need a little bit more if. Patrick Mahomes is going to start the game with what was it three, two, three straight incompletions and then complete a quick one to Travis Kelsey to kind of get the offense going. And then you have the Bobby Dolphins on the other side where they are finally getting something going. I think it was what their second drive. You beef a very simple throw to, to Von Achan behind the line of scrimmage, which could have turned into a big play. That drive ends with an interception. I don't know if the Dolphins should make a decision about Tua Tungvaluwa, and I think that might be the best decision to kind of just sit here and sit on your hands. If you reach a scenario where you're confident about giving him the bag the middle of the next year, at the end of next year, sure, I think you can do that, no problem. I think at the end of the day, if you have your franchise quarterback, uh, you're not going to complain about paying them. I think it's that simple. I think all the stuff about Brady for years was crazy, but that also did help the Patriots win a few Super Bowls. I, I really think the Dolphins need to be in a spot where they, they don't touch this contract. And if it needs to be Kirk Cousins, he gets Kirk Cousins. I, I know the salary is going to go up, but I think what's leaving this Miami Dolphins window open is short-term flexibility. And whether that's a 50 mil up front sounds absolutely crazy, but you can kind of digest that if you know it's coming for just one year instead of trying to multiply that by three four years and man it just seems so helpless for this offense and Tua has looked so helpless for so many different scenarios especially late in season if you give him the bag you're really limiting yourself on what you can give him around this team and how you're developing this franchise as a whole the Dolphins defensively one of the biggest issues we would have loved to have an extra middle linebacker an extra cornerback We drafted those and it didn't work. So we would also need to have confidence that Chris Greer is going to hit on the Puka Nakua's and not necessarily him completely, but you know what I mean? A fifth round wide receiver who can come in and be confident. At the same time, guys, I'm ready to tell you that the Dolphins this offseason, you need to go sign Mike Evans to let this offense reach where it should be. That ain't a thought process that has your quarterback being paid as one of the tops in the league because he's helping everyone else be beneficial. That's just kind of where I'm starting to be. And, we all want answers, right? We all want to figure out how to fix the Dolphins. For right now, I think you can kind of work the cap space thing. You can maybe work it where you get one big Christmas present under the tree and hope you can work it, whether Tua's making that 20 mil, because I am not comfortable giving him a long-term deal right now, and and I don't know how you can kind of look at these last few weeks and feel that way. Not to yeah. try to start a fight, but... No, there's, do, there's do no Do I sound fight. okay? Do, do I yeah, sound like a robot? Good. I just want to say one thing real quick. I mean, that's 100% correct. When we talk about long-term deal, we say in three years, five years, I mean, that does kind of factor into this, right? Because, I mean, I'd be okay. I don't know if I'd be okay giving them three years. I think the biggest thing, like you mentioned, Jake, was and Merrick, both of you mentioning, all the cat moves they got to make here, um, I don't think it really is any reason to jump the gun. But, again, if he balls out again, then that number does go up. Does that really factor into this? I mean, if it does happen, then it does. I, I think I lean towards where Jake goes. What were you going to say, uh, Merrick? But again, I would be okay if it happened because I once tweeted, I we gave Tannehill, what, seven years? So uh, to a time I low deserves eight. I do think it was that fifth year, though, when I truly, um, you know, I think that was the year when I disconnected from uh, Tannehill and I was like, all right, this dude, he's done. So, I mean, we're heading into the fifth year with two a time below. So I don't know, Merrick, jump in on here. Well, well, I mean, you do make a good point, Josh. Uh, it could just be as simple as giving Tua more time 
to develop within this specific offense. Yeah, he has had four years in the National Football League, but only two years in this Mike McDaniel system, which by all accounts is a very, very difficult offense to master. It's very intricate, which explains why we are in our 18th game of the season. I say we, the Miami Dolphins are in their 18th game of the season, and there still are those communication errors and people are lining up in the wrong spots and and all this, that, and the other. Like, this is a very difficult complicated offense is there's that could be something to be said about maybe needing to simplify this offense a little bit and just play football I mentioned this a few weeks ago there's too much sleight of hand in this Mike McDaniel offense it always feels like we're trying to trick everybody instead of just lining up and saying we're better than you so we're going to play better than you and keeping things simple but in a way like the the Lions do a great job of that right they just line up and they go hey guess what we're going to do? We're going to run the football. We know we're running the football. You know we're running the football, but we're still going to run the football. And if this carry gets two yards, guess what we're going to do on the next play? We're going to run the GD football because that's what we do. We line up and we play football. It doesn't always have to be tricks and pulling a rabbit out of a hat. You can simplify this offense and make it, make it a little bit easier for these players to pick up the scheme and execute quickly and not have these miscommunication errors and all of that stuff. So maybe it's something as simple as a simplifying the offense, but B giving Tua more time in this type of offense. You know, he, there's a lot of impatience in today's world, in today's, you know, sporting world in particular, but we got to remember Tua had, multiple missed games last season due to a concussion. So he technically hasn't even had a full two years in this offense in terms of playing time on the field. So is this something where he continues to grow? He continues to evolve. He continues to get better. Mike McDaniel, only a head coach in the NFL for two years. Does he continue to grow and evolve and get better as a head coach and a play caller? Uh, He has only been calling plays in the NFL for two years. He was an offensive coordinator that didn't call plays in San Francisco. Uh, So with more time, does, does he get a little bit better at following game flow and figuring out exactly what the team needs to do in any particular situation to be successful? Again, these are all questions that we don't necessarily have the answer to right now. And is it a situation where, the Dolphins get a little trigger happy. They move away from Tua, and then all of a sudden, in a, in a different location, in a different offense, as an older, more experienced player, he blows up and, and becomes, you know, the, the Drew Brees that the Dolphins should have had, didn't have, uh, and he, he becomes that for another team. I don't, there's that risk as well. I mean, you're, you're saying all that. Sorry, but you're saying all that. I think I would absolutely bet that Tua would get better and Mike McDaniel would get better. But I think the thing that's now holding me back is, you know, just feeling that bit of being a Dolphin fan, right? It's just you're in that sit sense of being a fan and, and just seeing this team time and time again let you down. That I just feel like um, uh, as much as I want to say, yes, Tua's going to get better, Mike McDaniel's going to get better, it just feels like history has told me. I go back to Jake, man. We were sitting here, I personally, we were so stoked at one point for Brian Flores and everything the Miami Dolphins were doing. And I think he had said at the time, like, remember – um, you know, he said something. I just always go back to that moment, feeling like Brian Flores was safe, feeling like nothing was going to change. And, um, well, everything did change by the end of that season. So um, I, I want to say they can all improve. They're all going to get better. We have yet to heat to a ton of lowest ceiling. This offense is yet to hit its ceiling. But like uh, Jake said earlier, man, if you're trying to bring in a, um, a Mike Evans this year to better that offense, I mean, I think that's even what Nick Hicks said, right? If that's what you need to do to get this offense to the next level, then that says a lot about your quarterback. Do you guys look at the Spike McDaniel offense where it is right now as the scheme he developed or maybe like the end of year project? Like what we saw come against the Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs was the result of five months of building up this game plan, adjusting it, and then maybe on the offseason we start on the ground floor again. I guess what I'm asking, is it a, a system issue or do you think Mike McDaniel's just been kind of trying to navigate with what he has to kind of build out the offense on top of it itself for now does that make sense what I'm asking sure and and I think Mike McDaniel has done a very good job uh from from year two uh from year one to year two of adding new wrinkles uh evolving the offense getting it better what I think Mike McDaniel doesn't do a good job of is 
readjusting once opposing defenses adjust to your new wrinkles. So, so we, we talked about it. They got the short motion stuff. They're revolutionizing the league. Other teams are copying the Miami dolphins doing this type of stuff. It's working for everybody, right? Mike McDaniel looks like a genius when he completely changes how teams run offense in the NFL. But then after a number of weeks, after a number of months, opposing defensive coordinators get enough film on that, not just from the Dolphins, but now from everybody else as well. And they get paid big bucks to come up with schemes to stop things like this. And as we saw against the better teams, which surprise, surprise, better teams have better defenses, uh, which could mean they also have better defensive coordinators. This offense struggles and the new wrinkles don't work as well. And Mike McDaniel hasn't shown that he's able to come up with counters to opposing defenses counters in a quick and timely fashion, right? He's certainly not doing it mid game because it always feels like the Dolphins first half, the offense is looking pretty good. And then it's the second half where things fall apart. You know, so these defenses, they adjust at halftime. Mike McDaniel can't adjust to the adjustments. And then as the season wears on, we saw it last year, obviously injuries were a part of that uh, to Tua Tonga-Vailoa. But then this year as well, we start the season hot. Everything's going great. The weather outside is nice. As soon as the defenses get a read on what he's doing, and as soon as the weather turns to crap, then the offense also turns to crap. So I'd love to see Mike McDaniel be able to figure out a way to not let that happen. The, the only issue there is, like, like look around the league. What offenses, like, really haven't turned to crap? We saw what the Buffalo Bills had to do to score in the second half against the Dolphins. We saw the, the Kansas City Chiefs, I don't care what anybody says, they absolutely struggled to move the ball. You know, every one of their, I think all their scoring drives except for one were less than 10 plays. And when I start thinking about that and how the Kansas City Chiefs had to inch their way down the field, what I also hear a bunch of is Tua saying I shouldn't have thrown it deep to Tyreek when I had some underneath routes. Um, so I guess what I guess there are so many different pieces here that I think are all just butting heads in the wrong direction. Where I think maybe the offense can be uh, simmered down a little bit, but I also think there's a part of Tua too where at the end of the day, man, we can only give you so many excuses. Where you got to come out and be the guy. We have Patrick Mahomes running for 18 yards on a fir- uh, on a fourth down. I think it was. We have a bunch of scenarios going on where I- I'd like everything to not be perfect and him still show up. I do think there could be some McDaniel adjustments made for sure. Um, but I'd also like to see Tua kind of just put his, like a, a stamp of his, him having a goofy face right on top of a game book that says, hey, we wanted to do X, Y, or Z. We didn't do that. But hey, that ended up being a good thing because I took the game over. I made the audibles and did things right instead of saying, oops, I accidentally just threw it into double coverage instead of doing what I should have. So gun to your head, gentlemen. Is Tua Tungavailoa, is he what's holding this Miami Dolphins offense back? I think there's a lot of things. I I think you look at an offense that um, Tua gets the ball out so quickly, he gets the ball out in 2.3 seconds. He also faces the lower pressure rate. He's pressured in 2.1 seconds. That's that's higher than Trevor Lawrence. That's higher than any other starting quarterback in the league. So there are so many different things pulling at this team. And I think Mike McDaniel, I think Tua both deserve credit on how they were able to mask some things. But I also think in the, at the same time, they've really shown a, a couple weaknesses here that, that really kind of hold a team back in December when you have to get out of this mindset of we do X, Y, and Z. It's no, you just get a first down or you just get five yards instead of trying trying to beat a defense or whatever. I think that's an issue. What about you, Homer Houts, Homer Houts has the point, and, I mean, we have to bring it up. I know that people are just going to say it's a cop-out, but all the injuries they've had, right? I mean, you do have to factor that in. Jake said they made a great uh, – they've done a great thing of a mask in the offensive lines, but I'm going to say he isn't holding his team right back because I think we've seen him throughout his career make every single throw, right? I mean, I know a lot of people call him a one-read quarterback. We know he likes to own in on Tyree Kill at times. We know that – the offense, like you both have said, the biggest thing with Mike McDaniel is his inability to adjust when the defense is, um, you know, taking away what they like to do. I mean, you said he doesn't adjust during the game. He has yet to adjust, like, for the last quarter of the season, he didn't adjust, you know. So um, you want to see him get better as the season goes in play calling and, um, you know, I guess evolving this offense to what they've become. I mean, I don't know that any team can overcome the amount of injuries. Again, that's a huge excuse. But, um, again, back to Jake's point, you want him to take over a game. I don't know that any of us, you know, gun to our head, can sit here and say that two and ten by low is Patrick Mahomes or that he'll ever be Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is a different tier of quarterback. You can say the same thing about Lamar Jackson. That's a different tier of quarterback. I know, you know, some people – 
say he can't throw the football. I think that's kind of been debunked. Josh Allen, different breed of quarterback. You want to say Tua's on that next year? I can agree with that, but I do need to see him take over a big game, like Jake said. But um, I guess that's a long-winded way of saying I've seen him make every throw. I've seen him be that quarterback when everything's good around him. So I think I don't think he's what's holding us back, but I do think at times things do need to be perfect, right? And I guess that's the issue some people have. So what I'm kind of hearing from both of you guys, and maybe I'm on the same page here, and I'd like to to know what the majority of Dolphins fans feel, but where we're kind of at right now is Tua isn't necessarily the problem, but he also hasn't necessarily been the answer. He's not the problem, and I think we realized he won't be the answer. And I'm not trying to get like cliche with words here, but I think we can kind of kind of say at this point, and I, I'd love for him to see me prove him wrong, but I don't think we'll ever see newspapers in general anymore, but I don't think we'll see a newspaper where it's Tua um, leading the team with what five touchdowns, uh, maybe two scrambling with some injuries late in the season. It's not going to be one of those superhero efforts where we see Josh Allen talking on ESPN after the game, where he looks like a little kid in his little league baseball hat saying about how he just kind of ran around the field and made it happen. I don't think we'll see him as that sort of answer where we need the Mike Evanses or some other new weapon to come in here and make this offense be what we hope it should be. And and can we just say another thing that makes this so hard and, you know, I guess maybe should elevate some of our expectations or, you know, what we need is you, we all keep talking about these elite quarterbacks, right? They are all in the freaking AFC and you have to be able to take the game to the next level to get over that hump. You know, we're seeing CJ Stroud as a rookie, Take the Texans, a team who was pretty much, you know, dead and out. Take them to the, you know, elevate his game, elevate all of his teammates, despite what no one knew about Nico Collins before, you know, little things like that. So um, that plays into this as well. But at some point, you also got to sit back and realize as a Dolphins fan, you know, we've been battered and beaten. I think I actually said that right this time. Since Dan Marino, we know the laundry list of quarterbacks we've had. We can all sit here and confidently say Tuatone Lowe is the best one of those. But um, again, when you're looking at the way the NFL is evolving, um, I, I think at times you might just need another level, and I'm still waiting to see that another level from Tua Tagovailoa in these big games, which again keep coming in these cold weather. And as corny as it sounds, you see the stat right: 0 and 11 when it's like under 40 degrees or so. I don't know what it is, something ridiculous, but like that's when football is played, baby, in the cold weather, and you can't turn into a pumpkin Cinderella style like we continue to do every freaking year for 20 plus years. You know who didn't turn into a pumpkin and. I've kind of tried to stay away from making a decision based on one game. Are we ready? Do we do we just sign Christian Wilkins? Is is this a one word answer? I think not if you're signing Tua. Right? Is that where we're at? Like I think I don't know where we're at at this point. Like I, I see the caps over an astronomical. I see all these great players that are going to want to get paid. I see the offensive line. I mean, that entire offensive line needs to get paid, right? You got to figure out what you're doing with Armstead. You got to you're going to have to have Liam. Oh, Lightning we know what we're doing with Armstead. Yeah, I know, but you know, and that's still probably not clearing up anywhere near how much caps right. we need. Donna Ponte, send the Donna Ponte bat signal out. Get her yeah, in here. We get her to back. Fix this thing. So, um, that's the only joke I have. But Christian Wilkins is playing out of his mind. I mean, you want to see him be that defensive tackle that can be. I hate using the word elite because I'm not even sure I know what elite means. But see him taking over games, and we've seen him do it all year in big moments, taking over games. So I hope we can pay him. But it goes back to our whole conversation about too. I mean, those are the decisions that Chris Greer. And Mike McDaniel have to get right. And if you don't, you got to draft right. And you guys have talked about it all season long. We needed a linebacker. Where the hell was my boy Channing Tindall? You know, um, we needed a cornerback. Cam Smith turned into a pumpkin. Chris Greer's son's best friend. I mean, those are the picks you have to hit on if you're in cap hell where we're approaching. I'm sorry. I'm so down. This is not – you guys gave me a couple of days to sit here and stew on this, and I'm still not even uh, back to my homerish ways. That That's this fan base right now, guys. We, we are all in the same boat. And this boat – uh, and I don't sucked. want anybody to tell us how to fan. You guys can kiss our ass. You can kiss my yes. ass personally yes. at Houts. Kiss it because I'm tired of the crap. If it's not positive, Peter, on Twitter, you know, um, you're just a, a hating fan. No, we've been here as fans. I don't want to say Tua because we all want Tua Reed, but we've been fans before everybody that's come before, and we're going to be fans before everybody that's come after, the Mike McDaniels, the Tua Tonga Valos. We'll be here before them, you know, even if they do play here 20, 30 years. So um, we're ride or die, and we're tired of seeing mediocrity, and hopefully that came through on this podcast differently than before because, um, let's be honest, man, we, we tried to mask it, but we're still, we're still the mediocre Dolphins until proven otherwise. Yeah. So I got a question for you, Jake. Because you brought up Mike Evans on this podcast a couple times already. 
let's say the Dolphins have the opportunity to sign Mike Evans, but it's going to cost you Tyreek Hill. Do you do it? Nah. We got it. We got to find the money somewhere. And hey, you get rid of Tyreek, you still have Jalen Waddle, so you have your speed component, and you have your big body 50-50 down the field you know, receiver, he can still catch those deep bombs. He's not as fast as Tyreek, but he can go up and high point him. If you have an opportunity to get Mike Evans, but you have to trade away Tyreek Hill, and I don't know the cap ramifications on that, dead cap, whatever yeah. it may be, do you do it? No, not not a chance in the world. Um, I think what Tyreek does to any offense is just out of this world, and the fact that it works so well with what McDaniel and Tua like to do is just another step up. I mean, dude, I... I, I I can't do it when I have Tyree Kill tweeting out first thing after a loss where he can actually go to a baldy breakdown and still be like, hey, you see these guys trying to triple cover me and I still got open? And here I go. I'm, I I thought we finished this, but if Tua got him to the ball on time, he would still be maybe even running on that play when he was triple covered, came open. If Tyreek didn't have one of the most ridiculous looking touchdown receptions in the world, I think this team would have happily and went home with zero points on the scoreboard so i i think tyreek is just such a game changer it was so great to see that he had a couple rough performances late in the year to see him come back and really step up in that primetime game yeah i I don't think i'd do that i I think we could kind of start to have a discussion of maybe if like hey maybe we have to get rid of both raheem Mostert and jeff wilson that might be where the conversation I, i do like the idea of taking one receiver out one receiver in but i mean also, this team had the lead leader in rushing touchdowns. They had Devon eight chance, absolutely uh, banana speed. And what what do, what do I have here? The Dolphins, Raheem Mostert played 44% of snaps. Devon Achan played 38. Uh, we're kind of spiraling a little bit here, guys. But why weren't they just having everyone who was super fast on the field together and just playing like a Navy offense. Why did Alec Ingold only play 12 snaps? I feel like those are some things that kind of confuse me a little bit. Could go back to the communication. You need, you need to be able to talk to these guys a lot more. If you have running backs lined up out wide, that could be very possible, but man, like how aren't you getting your ball to these playmakers more? And how are you averaging 4.2 yards per carry? And you only ran the ball 18 times in negative 27 degree weather. That's a question. I am also asking myself this morning so and to be fair with that though too i mean patrick mahomes came out and threw it on the first four plays i i think there is something to the idea of like maybe throwing the football early i'm not smart enough to think about it or think of it and i could just be looking for excuses but i mean this wasn't just like the dolphins i mean uh mahomes found kelsey on an outstanding third and ten he saw kelsey with a bunch of drops on Saturday as well. But I, I do think that the Dolphins, if they completed a few more short passes, we would have seen them run the ball a lot more, as crazy as that sounds. Okay. Rashi Rice went one. insane, didn't he? Can we give yeah. Rashi Rice some credit? Sure I mean, did. I thought I was joking. They have his Jerry Rice. I think I saw our boy Cater Co trailing him at all times. Um, and Duke Riley, I felt like he was just uh, – there were some plays where it seemed like the Dolphins might have been scared of tackling Isaiah Pacheco in the cold weather, which we kind of talked about it. I mean – I kept saying there was a meme of him as a lizard. I wouldn't want to tackle him. You guys won't want to tackle him. I thought you won't want to tackle Jeff Wilson. We might lean on that a little bit more, but um, Jake broke down the snaps there. So I don't know. There's a lot to go back and watch on this game. I haven't even dove into it, and I'm dreading, dreading, dreading hard knocks, but I'll sit there and watch it and, you know, probably shed a tear and be glad that shit's over. I'm glad that, like, I was stoked for it a little bit, but when you see those losses, it's, um, I'm good without that content. Yeah, it's like it's like people. when your your ex girlfriend posts pictures of her kissing her new man on Instagram, and you got to look at it, and you're like, "Oh, the breakup hurt, and now this is another dagger being twisted in the heart." You gotta watch the sequel. I can't stand the people who are getting so upset over what words they are choosing for Mike McDaniel to air. Um, in these episodes of Hard Knocks, do you know how many conversations these people have throughout a week? And you know how much of it probably has to be blacked out before game day. So. There is nothing more cliche and clickbaity than being able to say the adversity leads to God, I don't know what success, failure, who knows, but, but it kills me that people think that just because Mike McDaniel says the word adversary every week on hard knocks, that he's a bad coach. That to me is, is so silly. And that's the one thing, Josh, I will tell people how to fan. If you're saying that you're a total idiot, that's the one thing I will tell fans how to fan about. Well, at some point it has to amount to something though. Adversity was opportunity 
plenty of times this season, and, and most of those opportunities went the other team's direction. Sure, but this is a statement that's like when you when you tell someone, "Oh, how you doing today? I'm living the dream." It, it, it's just like <laughs> as hollow as these lines are. Like we are not hearing any of the details. But you're my like, coach. I need you to have more than that. But you're right. They're he did, not. They're he did not wish airing. it was colder. He, he did wish it was colder, and he got that he got wish. wish. I don't think the cold. I don't think the. At least defensively, I don't think the cold played any excuse. I thought the defense was solid. I think offensively, I think they could have done enough. You saw dudes out there having no sleeves. I don't uh, I don't know if I buy that, Jake. I There were moments, and you could see it in some of these guys' eyes, where it just felt like they wanted to be anywhere else yeah. in the world but on that frozen playing field, especially our quarterback who's from Hawaii and played his college ball in Alabama. I just uh, – I do, I do think the many defense times. did enough, though, right? Defense did enough in this one, I think. But I think you're right. There were times when they just seemed like they were um, – I'm. I'm out. I'm checking, writing a check that I'm out. But some of the people were even saying before the game, do you think that these OGs that came in, do you think they really have a will to go out there and play like their ass off because they just joined the team? They didn't have that same uh, bond as some of these guys, you know, molded within the team throughout the year. I thought that I was I think they had silly, more. But you go get one true, sack, yeah. you're getting paid. You're getting another year of a contest. The only reason yeah. these guys are out here is because they want to play in the NFL. And yeah. I think that's kind of the thing, like – I don't think – I do agree that I think some people kind of crumbled over the mentality, but if this offense could have scored a couple more points, you don't think that would have warmed up anybody to have a little bit more of a fire in this For game? Sure. But at some point when things aren't going your way, you, oh, yeah. you make you make business decisions and you go, this is the coldest I've ever been in my life. Not hyperbole. That is yeah. absolutely the coldest most of those people have ever been in their entire life. Maybe all of them. Probably um, will be and, too. And it just – I definitely think the cold clearly affected Tua. He is the most accurate quarterback in the league, and he's missing five-yard swing passes to a running back. That He just doesn't do that. But so he, I do think the cold did. affected in the recent, him. In recent weeks, he did. He's been awful for about a month. He had a stretch in at halftime of this game where he had five interceptions in the eight most important quarterbacks of the Miami Dolphins season. I think that like that stuff's just brutal. Like, there, there's no doubt about it. He He has been bad, but I don't think – I don't think he routinely misses some of the throws he missed on Saturday if it wasn't as cold yeah. as it was. But let me let me give you another hypothetical. This is just a show of, uh, of hypotheticals at this point. And this one does involve Tua. We watched the Lions win uh, a playoff game last night. If you, as the GM of the Miami Dolphins, have the opportunity to do what the Lions did and trade Tua Tungabailoa for Matthew Stafford, for this upcoming year, and again, I don't know the cap ramifications of that or anything. Um, if you had the opportunity right now, today, to trade to a Tungavaloa for Matthew Stafford, would you do it? You can go first on this one, Josh. I got the last one. I I'm gonna say first. I just want to say, Jake, you're you staying on your hill. Keep doing that all off season long. <laughs> Keep pushing us and being the the voice of reason because um, I need to hear it at times. You know, we need that it. We need I'm, it. It's it's I'm a healthy a debate. High. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's a very healthy debate, and we absolutely need it. Um, But, I mean, I was watching Stafford out there, and I was, you know, admittedly saying, you know, that rocket of an arm, he's making throws at Tuatonvalo and possibly, you know, at times just can't make. But I, I think I would keep Tuatonvalo. Again, I think he's the perfect quarterback for this offense. Um, After Jake ask, uh, answers, I want to ask you guys, if you think this game would be, have been any different if we could have turned injuries off at the beginning of the year? Because I still think the Dolphins, despite everything, would have probably fell short against the Chiefs, although they probably would have scored a bit more points. But, uh, Jake, give me your answer to the, the Tua Tungvalo with Matthew Stafford Madden trade that we're going to do. I'd say no, just because I think something I want to talk about throughout the entire offseason, I think continuity in all aspects of life is so important. And I, I don't know if you could really drop him in. I think there was just so many connecting dots there with, with uh, Stafford and McVay where they were able to kind of hit the ground running really well. I don't necessarily think that that would happen just as quickly here with the Dolphins. But I, I think that's one of the like scenarios where if you're on Dolphins Twitter and you're at the point of, I cannot stand to a tug of low and get him off the team, those are probably the conversations you want to have in your head of how can we make something like Matthew Stafford work, but in an offense that is so dedicated, uh, focused on timing and different situations like that. I mean, keep in mind continuity is so, so important for everything uh, these guys are trying to do. Yeah, and uh, I'm with you guys. I don't make that trade either. Um, I go back to what I said earlier. It's his second year in this offense, not even a full year because of the injuries uh, last season, and it's Mike McDaniel's second year as a head coach. So they both have room to grow. 
they can grow together, you know, because of that continuity you, you mentioned, Jake. Um, and they have a great relationship. They have a great relationship together. Let's continue to foster that and let's continue to watch the team get better, the team grow. You know, I'm I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said on, on Twitter already, but look at the Baltimore Ravens over the last couple seasons. They were kind of in the same boat. They were rocking it. They were killing it. And then Lamar Jackson gets injured and they fall off a cliff. And the, then their offense struggles towards the end of the season and, and then they fall off a cliff. And now this year, they're the number one seed in the AFC, had a bye week, didn't have to play this weekend, got to rest all their players. And now they get to play home games you know, for the rest of the AFC playoffs. So this is something that is within the realm of possibility for the Miami Dolphins. It hurts right now. It sucks right now. We're all in bad moods right now because of what happened on Saturday and what happened over the last couple of weeks of, of the regular season as well. But time heals all wounds. Come come draft season, we're all going to be excited about this team. Hey, they get a first-round draft pick for more the first time in a bust, couple years. More picks to bust, more games to lose in the future. Free baby. agency, I... we're, we're all going to be, you know, excited about the, the additions. And then comes, you know, off-season activities and training camp. And by by uh, August and early September of next year, we're all going to be wearing our Dolphins jerseys and saying, fins up, baby, and and hoping for another fantastic season. Because it's been, it's been great this year, and it's been awful this year but we're still addicted to this Miami Dolphins football team. We're addicts. I, I, I wish I knew the uh, quote from Dark Knight when Alfred's like, it's always the darkest before the dawn or something like that. Or, uh, something like that, right? Yeah. So, I mean, um, we're going to rise up out of the, the ashes from here. I was going to say about the Matt Stafford thing. We like to talk about Madden. If we traded Matt Stafford into a time low Madden, you sim that season, the Dolphins might get further with Matt Stafford. I'm just saying. <laughs> but um, maybe this, at the end of the day, should humble a lot of us, right? We look, we go on Twitter, we see the fan base just shitting all over. Every national analyst that has something negative to say about the Dolphins. Deep down, maybe that's the karma that came back to bite us between that and the uh, curse of the Tequistas or whatever it is. But um, we're going to be down for a couple weeks, but we're going to rise back up and get through this offseason, talking about draft content, doing some things here and there. And I'm excited for what the offseason brings because this season's been fun as hell, been awesome, but we need a little bit of a break after that letdown of a season. And All right, which, which Dolphins Twitter figurehead do we have to sacrifice to bring ourselves a, a playoff victory next year? <laughs> Don't answer that. <laughs> Just win a freaking game. I don't sacrifice me. Just let me be able to witness it from afar. Yeah, come on. I just imagine like the out of body experience, like Josh laying on the ground, but as a ghost, he's just like. It would be the Squidward here. meme, right? It'd be Squidward. You guys go. I'll be like, you'd literally have a parade for like a, a wild card win, and I'd be just like a ghost, like. Oh, Josh's furry way. head on a spike somewhere. No one would remember <laughs> me. No one. No, no one would care about anything. No, but it would just be everybody be celebrating that. We'd hang a banner for a wild card win. I think change the name happen. of the podcast to Down in Houts. <laughs> Merrick Brave, Joshua Houts, gentlemen, you have said it all. Thank you both for joining me to talk a little bit about a, uh, I'm going to say a fun, sad ending, but a very fun Dolphin season. We will keep the podcast coming. So thank you all, everyone, for listening to another Dolphins podcast. We will be back soon, but until then, fins up. Keep your heads up. Keep your fins up. Fins up, baby. Thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs>